Welcome to the Green Ranine Publishing Podcast. Since the year 2000, Green Ranine has been at the forefront of the hobby game industry. This podcast brings that world to life with news, interviews, and opinions direct from the Emerald City. Join us as we talk about role-playing games, card games, conventions, game design, and all things Green Ronin. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Green Ronin podcast. This is Chris Pramus and I'm coming to you from the Green Ronin headquarters. Uh, it is April, and that means it is the beginning of our convention season. Uh, usually starts with the Gamma Trade Show, uh, where in fact right now about half the company is uh, there in Las Vegas. They are talking to distributor reps and retailers and so on and promoting our stuff. This past weekend, I was a guest at NorwestCon, which is a science fiction and gaming convention here in Seattle. It's been happening for uh, 32 years now. Uh, many months ago, I had agreed to participate in a panel called Game Publishing Goes Digital, and as it happened, uh, recent events in the game industry had made this uh, panel very timely indeed. So I was the moderator, and uh, I got permission from my co-panelists and from the convention to record uh, the panel, and uh, that's the meat of the podcast I'm going to present today. Um, I have as co-panelists, people from many other game companies, and they'll introduce themselves in a minute, but I thought it was a good opportunity for uh, people to hear some folks in the industry who uh, have embraced digital publishing in various ways to just talk about the issues and recent events. Uh, before we get to that, I just want to give you a couple of warnings. First of all, NorwestCon is in SeaTac, uh, which is uh, where the Seattle airport is. And so from time to time, you will hear uh, jet planes in the background. Not so loud that uh, it prevents you from hearing what's being said, but it is in the audio and there's not much we can do about that. Similarly, uh, there was someone attending the seminar who had a cold uh, and they were blowing their nose uh, and sneezing from time to time as well. So that also, unfortunately, is embedded into the audio. Uh, but other than that, the sound is pretty good. So we decided to release this um, as a podcast and hope that people find the content interesting enough that they can overlook those couple of things. So without further ado, let me present the Game Publishing Goes Digital panel from NorwestCon32. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Chris Pramus. I'm the president of Green Ranine Publishing. Uh, and this is Game Publishing Goes Digital, where we'll be talking about uh, the advent of PDF publishing, uh, what that means for the industry, how do blogs and social networking sites uh, affect, enhance, detract from all that. Uh, and uh, joining me for this discussion, I have a, a panel of esteemed colleagues who uh, perhaps would like to introduce themselves. Start with you. All right. <laughs> my name is David Stanzelgunner. I'm the uh, operations manager uh, for Cattle Scheme Labs. I'm, my name tag says Randall Bills, but uh, he was not able to make it today, so I am here in his stead. Uh, I'm Eric Mona. I'm the publisher at Paizo Publishing. Um, previously worked at Wizards of the Coast, and uh, we do a lot of stuff with digital publishing. So. Uh, I'm Donna Prime with Flying Lab Software. We do Pirates of the Burning Sea, and I work in community, so we do a lot of 
uh, trying to bring games to the social networking and digital areas. And I'm Jeff Combos. I'm the president of Exile Game Studio, and uh, we do both uh, print publishing and PDF, so we kind of cross both lines. Nice. All right, so you know this is a market that has largely developed in the last 10 years or so. Um, in the 90s, uh, there are a couple of companies, most notably Hero Games, who actually tried to sell PDFs on 3.5 discs um, directly to people through stores and at conventions and things. But um, that I do not think have huge impact. Uh, but when once there is able to be digital delivery uh, of PDFs, you know things took off a little more. Um, Ten years ago, I was working at Wizards of the Coast, and uh, I had designed this game called Dragon Fist, which was uh, sort of a martial arts variant of uh, second edition D&D that was meant to come out sort of in between second and third edition, um, and was canceled and then revived and then canceled again. And ultimately, I was given permission to release it as a PDF if I sort of took care of, you know, getting art, getting edited, get it laid out with a budget of nothing. but. I was allowed to put it out as a PDF, which at the time was sort of like a death sentence, you know, was like, yeah, we're not really behind this product, you know, but sure, you can give it away on the internet. Um, and things have changed uh, a lot since then. Uh, there's uh, a couple of big um, places on the internet um, that where you can buy PDFs from many, many companies. Um, there's uh, the One Bookshelf sites, uh, RPG Now, Drive Through RPG. Uh, Paizo Store is another place, uh, Your Games Now. Um, these are all places you can buy lots of, of uh, different PDFs, and it's become, um, in many ways, an integral part of modern uh, game publishing. Um, so uh, maybe we could start by discussing uh, what you guys think the changes have been over the last decade in uh, you know, how PDFs and digital stuff has affected gaming. Um, from my perspective, having worked most of the last 10 years on either Dungeons and Dragons at Wizards of the Coast and then a 3.5 variant, which is the Pathfinder uh, system that we're developing right now from Paizo. Um, at the beginning, like Chris said, PDFs were kind of a afterthought, you know, maybe almost a little bit of a joke. I remember I sort of made an infamous joke at the Annie Awards a couple of uh, years ago, a few years ago, saying, you know, um, thanks for buying our books. If you didn't, we'd probably just have to do some crazy thing like publish PDFs. And at the time, PDFs were really almost kind of a, a little bit of a ghetto. Um, but a lot has really changed since then. Um, I think it. I think that the the retailers have grown a little bit more reticent to stock a wider variety of RPG books than they might have in the '80s um, or even in the '90s. Uh, and there's a whole variety of different reasons there. But um, it used to be that a PDF was something that you might take the content that you couldn't fit into the book and you'd just put out a web supplement or an expansion. Um, nowadays, you're seeing a lot of, of, of uh, really more um, hardcore approach to it where the whole book is available. A lot of times at the same time, Chris was just telling me at lunch that, that Green Rodini uh, sometimes, well, don't you sometimes release them even before that? Yeah, well, actually, I mean, by design, um, the idea being, you know, while we do have editors and proofreaders and stuff, nothing is like getting hundreds of fresh eyes onto a manuscript, and so we will release the PDF when it's ready, um, and then, inevitably, we will get comments back from people asking for clarifications or pointing out errata or whatever, and we can compile that, we can make changes, we can give an updated version to everyone who bought the first PDF so they don't lose out 
in any way by being an, an early adopter, basically. Uh, but then we can fix all that stuff before the print run, so that when the print version comes out, uh, that it it has had the benefit of that. And we, we try to do that uh, with most of our releases. We um we 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 do a, th a thing whereby subscribers we have subscriptions to a number of the different game lines that we do, where we'll send you a, a print copy of the book. And we also will include now a free PDF of the of the book that is emailed to you at the same time that we ship your product from our warehouse. And so that way you have essentially a backup of your physical copy in case anything should happen to that. And maybe more importantly, you have a searchable um, document. I think one of the major steps forward in um, PDF or electronic publishing, at least insofar as the you know the o the D and D and OGL side of the business is concerned, is the open game license that came out with um, with the third edition of the Dungeons and Dragons game. Um, at, at the point in which people on, outside the company really started to grok the freedom that the that the OGL offered, um, they started doing things like putting up the entire system online. There's mm -hmm. a, uh, a SR, or d20 or org. Uh, has the entire uh, system resource document, which basically is essentially the entire rule set um, for for D and D three point and and then later for three point five, and people started, I think, bringing their laptops to the table a lot more than they had in the past, and this this corresponds to an increase in you know um, what, uh, laptop technology, cheaper laptops, you know, uh, faster connectivity, things like that. So people would have their their computer open at the game, and instead of flipping through the, the um, the thing to find out how a certain spell worked, you could just search it and boom, it's right there. PDFs work the same way. Um, if Instead of having to flip through an entire book, maybe you don't know exactly where a rule is, the PDF will lead you right there with a the search function. And it's become, I think, a, a pretty critical thing to the point at which if we were to release a book where, for example, we did not include a PDF free in the subscription or we didn't have a PDF at all for some reason, I guarantee you we would lose customers at this point. Yeah, we've been reluctant to give the PDFs away for free to people who buy directly from us because of the potential reaction of retailers who might feel that uh, it's encouraging people to buy directly from us and cutting them out of the equation. So have you gotten pushback in that area? Yeah, in some regards. And what we try to do there is, is have a, lot, a variety of other things that we offer for the retail channel that we don't offer for um, direct customers, things like... Free RPG Day, which is a big promotion that, that the industry does every year. We always um, go all out, have full color, um, free product that we give the, the promoters of Free RPG Day at no cost. I think the stores pay like 65 bucks or something like that, and they get a box of, of free product from just about everybody. Um, I think that the moment where the sort of next moment in evolution, for, for certainly for us, and for a lot of customers, in bringing the tiers together, which is to say the, re the brick and mortar retail stores and the, the electronic stuff, is if there's some way that a, a copy of a product that is purchased in a store could then in some way come with a PDF mm -hmm. or get some kind of registration code that would allow them to get a PDF. Um, the problem has always been that one of the things that's the big bugaboo with PDFs, of course, is security. I mean, that's kind of been a major issue in the last couple of weeks, especially because Wizards of the Coast, for example, just pulled all of their PDFs off every single retailer, including Pfizer.com, including the one bookshelf sell, uh, sites. So if, we, if somebody can come up with a method whereby a random person can go to a game store, buy a book, and then find some kind of PDF that is also watermarked in a way that if they then share that PDF for free on a, a, a 
BitTorrent site or something like that, that there's some traceability back to that customer, um, then I think it will be much easier to, to do things like providing you know, free PDFs. I really think we're getting into, and I don't mean to monopolize the conversation, but I think we're getting into a, a time here with um, a lot of concurrent trends in the RPG publishing and, and distribution industry where um, retail stores really need to offer something very special beyond just having a product in the store. Um, a lot of places are having great success by running organized play, and that's another way that Paizo supports um, retail stores by having a, a fairly robust organized play program through the Pathfinder Society, um, which itself involves PDFs that people download and, and run, but in this case, um, we give them to stores for free. Um, and uh, I think that the stores have, have, I think all of us need to work to figure out how to basically survive a really tough economy and um, some really bad trends in, in, in publishing in general. Well, so Catalyst announced this week. They awesome. say we're going to be offering PDFs <laughs> through retail. And, and I wondered, how are they going to do that? Yeah. So I, I, actually, do that? I actually haven't told anybody this yet. So, well, it's in my program, right? And yelled at me. Um, <laughs> actually, one of the things that we're doing is um, we recognize the value of, of, the, of the retailer, of all the different tiers and working together. Um, However, there needs to be an investment on all sides. You mm -hmm. can't just say that the publisher needs to offer the retailer, the you know, a cut of the pie, or that the um, that the, the the players need to you know not go to the retailer and go to the publisher. It's really a whole industry solution that we're looking for. So one of the things that Catalyst is working on is a a method uh, in our new system to. Um, allow a retailer to basically collect an email address from a consumer uh, and at that point can actually charge and sell them a PDF in which they then get emailed a copy of that PDF. Um, so it's, it's uh, retailers have a little bit of investment, they have to make sure that they have the equipment on hand, they have to have internet access, they have to sign up with us, um, they do pay for the PDF for, for a portion of the PDF just like they do through a regular distribution method. Um, it gets sent to the retailer? It gets sent directly to the, cons to the consumer. Um, but the way we look at this and then some of the tools that we're building in is ways for the retailers then to um, be able to connect with those consumers that they then now have email address communications with and things like that. Um, we really see this as a solution to help overall. It, PDFs are, are, are different than books. They, they are, um, you know, it, it's like a, a movie theater versus a DVD. Mm -hmm. Those are two different, you know, they are both watching the same content but they're in completely different formats and they're done in different ways and they're done just, you know, they, they, they have different price points, all of that. And that's what we see the PDF with. You know, the PDF is a great resource for, um, for uh, as you said, searching, searching information, collecting all your books, doing a single search through everything. You know, mm -hmm. finding information a PDF is great on. I get a splitting headache if I sit there and read a PDF and try and understand yeah. the rules on my screen and I and I bad because I'll try and do it on my phone and you know <laughs> they're great for finding information but they're bad for sitting and researching and, and understanding. The other thing that we find is um, I play in my weekly Shadowrun group, I have the PDFs on my computer and then we have all the books on the table. Yeah. And that way people are grabbing the books and looking for this and oh where where's this at it and I type it in and say it's on page yada yada. They go and they find it and it's also know. nice particularly for uh, like adversary books. 
um, instead of taking like a 300 page hardback full of monsters or supervillains or whatever that you have to carry to your game, if you know you're going to use like two of them, you can print them off PDF and stuff those in your main rule book and then you're carrying less stuff. Yes. Some of them you can even cut and paste into your adventure. Yeah. As a extremely small publisher, right? Um, I tend to approach the PDFs a little bit differently in that um, you know, I'm, I'm very friendly to the retail chain. I do free RPG day. I get people out there running demos, but um, a lot of retailers order what sells, right? And what sells is what people ask for. So it's it, PDFs become an interesting way to get to the consumer in a way that's fairly inexpensive, right? And get them to go into their store and say, hey, stock this game. I, I want, there's some other stuff out there. Or I actually want the physical book. So um, as an interesting idea, one of the things we're starting to, to look at is producing some, some PDF products that are a fairly low uh, price point um, that, if successful, we produce with in, a, in a physical format with something that's not available in a PDF. So it actually has a follow-along through the retail chain that has a higher price point for the people that actually want something cool that they can't get in that cheap PDF. So the PDF actually becomes almost like a like a marketing tool in some in some cases, as opposed to a follow along to the print edition. It's a different way. We've, we've done something something similar to that. It started as we were actually had extra material from uh, Street Magic for for Shadowrun, and we released it online. And as we saw, you know, a great success in this, you know, uh, thirty page PDF or twenty some odd page PDF, <laughs> something that we really wouldn't put any money into publishing a physical book because it just you know it's a large investment to do that. Um, we saw uh, strong sales, we saw a great interest in more of it, and so we've actually been putting out more of these small, single-use PDFs almost that uh, then we can gauge interest too, because I, I can look as a, as a publisher and say, you know, I've got these 10 PDFs, this one has sold a million copies suddenly, you know, what's, what's different with this one? Okay, what's the content? Let's make a book. You know, and, and therefore I'm targeting more of what my players want to see. And any large company that might be cutting all PDF sales, for example, <laughs> is uh, is sort of blinding themselves to to uh, being able to get those kind of metrics, mm -hmm. uh, and they're also hamstringing the growth of their their player base. And as anybody knows, finding a good gaming group can be a challenge sometimes. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, I'm not advocating anybody steal my PDFs, but if somebody wants the game badly enough. Right to do that, they're going to want to find somebody to play with, right? And that that's going to that's going to build a player base. I don't want them to do that, but I do want them to play the game. Well, when I heard the announcement that Wizards was not going to sell PDFs anymore and that they were doing it to combat piracy uh, explicitly, um, I first said, "Well, is this part one of a cunning plan or the entirety of a stupid plan?" Um, and <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, with Wizards, because it's a big corporation, it's just sort of the nature of big corporations, it really could go either way. But I, you know, thought, well, surely this move is just to pull stuff internal to them. They're going to start selling PDFs off their own website, or they're going <laughs> to fold it in to their digital initiative and maybe make a library of older titles available that way and add value to that or something. And then an interview came out towards the end of the week with Greg Leeds, the president of Watsi, in which he flat out said that both of those things were not happening. They were neither going to sell PDFs nor were they going to include it in the DDI. And then, you know, the only conclusion I could come to is that, that he and the leadership of Wizards don't understand piracy at all. 
you know, if they think that, that not selling PDFs is going to retard the pirates for longer than a few hours, they are wrong. Every book they do will be on the internet, whether they release a PDF or not, within 24 hours. And these people probably, will scan it. And they probably made it worse now yeah. because of that that very you know, that very um, policy. People are going to go out of their way to do it now. Yeah, we've been slowly building a backstock of all of the old because uh, Shadowrun's 20 years this year, uh, BattleTech's 25 years. So we've got hundreds of products, and we've been building a backstock of those those scanned PDFs and, and uh, one of my volunteers looked at me and said you know why, why are you doing all this work here here's a, a torrent of every product yeah. <laughs> of the last 25 years for Battletech and I'm going wow that would have saved me a whole lot of time <laughs> yeah but, but I mean, it, it, as you said it, it, they scanned it they did that work they, yeah. y- there's nothing I can do to stop that person from doing that. Now, I do, you know, we are active on asking, you know, making sure that places are taking down scripts, stuff like that, are, are taking down files that they, that people may put up of ours. We are, at, you know, we actively discourage pirating and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, there is nothing that I can do. There, there's absolutely nothing I can do to prevent somebody out there from pirating something. It's it's. I would put too much investment into stopping people, than it would ever get me back in sales. And on the Mm -hmm. flip side, you know, there are many many people out there who are honest and who want to pay you for what what you have to offer in a digital format. And when you remove the option, you are you are saying to those legitimate customers, we don't want your money if you want this digital format please go to a BitTorrent site, which, in fact, encourages piracy, yeah. doesn't fight it. So the whole thing seems a little nonsensical to me. Well, look at iTunes, for example. Yeah. iTunes has pretty much phased out all DRM content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anything that, that is um, only going to allow you to play that that song on one computer, they've pretty much phased out because people weren't buying it. They didn't want that. They wanted to be able to buy a song and carry it from PC to PC and put it on their you know iPod and iPhone. Um, I think that's not a bad model to look at to see that it's not going to work if you if you try to strictly control this. Yeah, there was a small company. Um, I can't remember who it was, but they uh, they were trying to ask people to stop pirating their stuff, and uh, and whatever the guy's name was, like Tim or Mike or something like that. The next round of of pirated PDFs that showed up included in them. Hi, Mike. Or you know, hi Tim, because <laughs> they had seen his pleas to stop pirating, and then we're just mocking him at that point. And you know, what are you going to do about that? It's interesting to hear the defenses that some people offer for piracy mm-hmm. um, online. In my experience, and and, and uh, I'm not an expert. In fact, I don't even know how to do BitTorrent, so I'm so far from an expert. It's ridiculous, but. Um, Talking to people about it at conventions and members of my staff and things like that, it appears to me as though people who are in college right now and younger have a very different sense of morality when it comes to ripping stuff off on the yeah. internet than people who are, are a little bit older. Um, and and I think that uh, I don't I don't want to get into why that is. I have no idea why that is. But well, maybe but, our community experts. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like. A lot of younger folks, and I can't believe that I'm sitting here at 33 <laughs> talking about that. <laughs> but a lot of the younger youngsters these days. With their hip hops. Uh, yeah, with their, <laughs> with their, <laughs> with their iPods. And, yeah, but they, uh, they seem to take the approach of like, 
the internet is a massive browsing library. Mm -hmm. And hey, man, back off. If I like it, I'm going to pay for it. You know, but I want to take a look at it first. And I'm a college kid, and I don't have any money anyway. So this allows me to interact with your products for when maybe I will have money later on. You know, I mean, it's it's a very complicated issue. It, it, it's it, there's a there's a morality aspect to it. There's a there's just a, a, a can I can can people afford it? You know, there's an affordability aspect to it, um, and there's a cultural aspect to it. And it, it's a, it is a very difficult thicket to walk through. But I'm not point. entirely unsympathetic. When you know, when I was in college and I was broke, um, I had a photocopy of about 60 pages of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay that had all the, the careers and the character stuff in it. And I made umpteen characters with that. And, you know, Games Workshop didn't get money from that. But goddamn, has Games Workshop gotten my money for the past 20 years? Right. And, and you know, I mean, I think there's also, there's also this problem has existed prior to PDFs. You know, I mean, there were scans of, of D&D products online in the early 90s or even in, in, in the very late 80s. Um, you could find these things if you knew where to look. And my suspicion is that, um, although they might not be fully enabled PDFs of some of the, the newer products, those will be online from some of the same scanning systems very shortly after they're released. So I just... Don't, you know, if the recording industry of America can't figure out how to stop it, I'm not sure that the undercapitalized role-playing game publishers <laughs> of are going to be able to, to, to kill it either. I and I think also, uh, what's that? I think you guys have better odds. Well, thank you. Uh, I, I think it's interesting that even before there was really the internet, um, the D&D books, and, and by extension other RPGs at, at some of the, the Barnes & Noble or B. Dalton at the time or wherever have you, I mean, these books are very often shelved uh, behind the counter with the beat poets. And the reason is kids steal role-playing game products, mm -hmm. whether they're hard copies or whether they're online. And, and it's interesting to see how new technology has allowed that phenomenon to, to really explode. Yeah, I mean, we get that even as an MMO. You know, we get tons of people that are like, well, why don't you just put this on BitTorrent anyway? It won't matter. Just give us the free download. Just give us the free download. It doesn't matter. You're going to have our subscription money. And they and try to explain it. As, well, we're published by Sony, so you know that's never going to happen. But <laughs> somebody is always trying to put what is on the disc up on a BitTorrent so other people can share it. It's like, well, I want to get all my buddies to play. Mm -hmm. You know? And so you've kind of got that. It's like you're really excited. I'm a college student. We're all in the same dorm. We all want to play together. We, we can't. We're limited on our download speeds. You know, they've, they've kind of started cutting out a lot of that bit tour and a lot of the downloading, li uh, LimeWire and all that. So, you know, they want to be able to get this and then distribute it amongst themselves. And we get, as far as PDFs go, people are starting to ask for them more, like you were talking about, if you weren't including that. Yeah. And we actually get that because we can't update the rules of our game all that often because it's so complicated in an MMO. So a lot of our documentation is so outdated. And we actually have players that volunteer to write PDFs. I had somebody recently ask if we could take all of our content and put it in story format in a PDF, just so they could read it when they weren't sitting down playing the game. Hmm. So people are starting to want that and will ask for it, but you also have that thing like with the retailers. You know, yeah. it's not really a, a kind of thing that you would think of with a video game. PDFs with a video game, unless it was a Prima guide. Well, you know, the one thing that always makes me jealous about the video games is that they can do an online patch and then the game itself has been updated and right. you never see the previous blemishes <laughs> and you can't go into someone's house and be like, excuse me, I need to paste over this part of the book for you. There's an error there. You Somebody get that though even forums. with PDFs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shadowrun Forest. Someone forums, on the forums right. will always remember. 
What's that? They will always re remind you on the forums everything. <laughs> but but that's actually a, an interesting thing too. Is is a way to fight piracies with community too. Um, battle we we have BattleTech and Shadowrun, um, and they're different communities. They're different player bases and things like that. Um, the BattleTech community has come down really hard internally on piracy, and it and it's pretty much a community initiative. They love the game. Um, you know, several years ago, BattleTech almost went away, uh, and the community rallied to to keep it back. Um, and at that point, it was classic BattleTech, and they they pushed real hard, and they were real proud of their community. And we would see somebody come up on the forums and post, you know, hey, where can I get this book? And the the if if anybody dared say you can download a PDF, before the moderators could even get there to yeah. you know to remove that stuff, the community members would be in there hammering on them saying, you know, no, that's bad, go support it in your local retailer and things like that. And so community is, is really, you know, integral into anti-piracy as much as anything else. Uh, and that's the way we look at things is we try and build these, these strong communities um, that'll, that'll self-police, that will support our product, and then by offering the PDFs again through retail, um, now they now the retailer can be building that same community around their store. And we get that. Uh, I'm on a live journal community called Girl Gamers, and we get a lot of people. Uh, where do I get this? Where do I get this? And we're like, well, go on down to your game store and buy it, like the rest of us did. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, it's there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But <laughs> you know, we give resources. But say, you know, come on, this is this is what people are doing because they love it. They, this is this is what they do. This is how they make their living. Support them if you want this stuff. You need to support it. And some people will offer to help, you know, it's like, if you do this and I'll help if you don't understand it. But it is, it takes a community to really support, you know, paying for it to stop piracy. And we've, we've seen, um, for example, we also have Cthulhu Tech. Um, Cthulhu Tech went through a, a fairly rough spot um, when they switched publishers and stuff. And it was the community that helped hold that together and spin it back up. Uh, and, you know, we've got new books coming out all the time now. For the last half hour, all five of you have been talking in a manner that equates electronic edition with PDF. And I'd like to tell you that a PDF is the worst format you can do <laughs> for my favorite uh, reading device of choice, which has a screen that's that big. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Have any of you considered putting out other formats? Uh, well, there are people doing some other stuff. Um, Monty Cook just started this dungeon a day. Uh, websites um, where uh, instead of selling PDFs at all, um, it's, it's a website you subscribe to and he's adding content uh, each work day, so five days a week, um, and presenting information in a different fashion. Um, we have looked at, at doing stuff for the Kindle. Um, That's what I was wondering. We've done a lot of research on that. Uh, my, yeah. my, my programmer actually works for Amazon, so I get that one daily. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when are you releasing it for the Kindle? There's, there's certain, at least from my standpoint with, with some of our uh, gameplay books, there's certain challenges to the Kindle. Um, Kindle is an HTML, a very basic HTML format. Um, and in the RPG books, there's lots of tables, there's lots of uh, images that rely, you know, that, that, re that show different things, um, diagrams, things like that, that are very difficult to reformat in a, um, this is the, the manager point of the, 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 the business manager coming out, but it's it's hard to um, cost effectively reformat it to that other to another format. 
when we go to a print book, we're publishing the PDF. We're, we're basically exporting it to a high-res version of a PDF. So it's not that hard to turn around and you know do a, do a, a low-res one for, for print. Um, our novels, we are looking at doing in uh, Kindle format. Because that's just text. There's as less long that goes as you longer. don't restrict it to Kindle format. I no, cannot it, buy a Kindle format because I do not have a Kindle. Well, the, the Kindle format's actually a uh, Mobi. Mobi, I yes, think, is, is you, what it is, it, which it, is it a basic a, HTML. It's actually a Mobi, but but if it's if you publish it in Mobi, I can buy it. If you publish it for a Kindle, I can't. Well, well, it's the just best case you publish it for both. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. Bain Books publishes a number of different online formats right. for all for their things, and I think they really, from my perspective, represent kind of the cutting edge in terms of the publishers. They, I think, even release their stuff in like RTF in some mm -hmm. cases, you know, and that horrifies me as a publisher. But uh, <laughs> but it uh, it must it must work for them, and I think and kudos to them, you know. I mean, somebody's got to sort of blaze that trail, and I think that that's really important. One one um, thing that I think is interesting, and you're absolutely right, we are equating. Um, a, a book with a PDF, you know, but I think another problem potentially when we're talking about electronic content is equating a PDF with a book or equating electronic content with a book because I have an iPhone. Many, if not most, of the editors and, and executives at Paizo now have iPhones because once you work with one guy with an iPhone, everybody wants an iPhone because <laughs> they are so awesome. Our now, our company hosts. Right. So uh, here's the thing though. I wouldn't be caught dead reading an entire 520-page RPG rules manual on an iPhone. It would be a killer. It, you, it, first of all, your battery would not last, you know, and it, it would be very challenging for a lot of the reasons that have been mentioned, the, the charts, the tables, these types of things. On the other hand, I can definitely see the value of an iPhone app that, for example, you could maybe build your, your wizard spell book or something. Maybe it has all the text for the different spells in the 3.5 system or in the Pathfinder system. And you can just say, oh, I want a little from this, I want this, this, boom, 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 and then you've got it in your hand. And you, you never have to, I have probably. <laughs> and, and you never have to open, you know, you never have to open the book. And I think that that type of thing is very valuable. A lot of folks I know use dice rollers uh, on their, their iPhones. So I think that the technology is actually going faster than our ability to keep up with it at this point and so you know the first step for a lot of us is just getting some of the technology ourselves and kind of understanding how how we interact with it and then we have a better opportunity to say hey you know what I think this would work I think this is cool I bet other people who have an e-reader or an iPhone or, or some high-end digital reader would think this is cool as well. I mean, it's the same impulse uh, that makes a publisher a good publisher or an editor a good editor. I play the game. I understand the game. This would be cool for the game. I think one of the worst things you could do is start launching off a bunch of new formats that nobody at the company knows what they are or even understands. But that's another reason for a community, too, because uh, the community can come back with some of those suggestions, and you can gauge yeah. interest, and you can find experts in those we, we, formats. When we were doing Dungeon Magazine under license from Wizards of the Coast, one of the things that interested me a lot was the, the, the relatively large number of people who would just um, somewhat impolitely at times uh, kind of demand that we provide PDFs with all the maps from each issue of the of the the magazine, and so we said, okay, well, I guess that could be handy to have, you know, printed out next to you as you're running the adventure, or maybe on your screen or something. But that wasn't it. So we did it. But then they started complaining that there were numbered uh, locations on the maps, and so we thought, well, why would you care if there's numbered, you know, that they're maps? That's what they're for. And they say, no, 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 you don't understand. I have a ceiling-mounted projector 
that projects the map down onto my white table, and then the players move their miniatures around a high-res projection of your PDF maps. And I thought, holy shit, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, that's, that, you must have the coolest setup in the world. But no, there's like dozens of people who do this. And all it takes is someone to read that on a message board and go, hey, you know, at work we've got an extra one of those projectors, or those projectors cost 200 bucks. I'd invest that because I have more money than cents or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, and, and so we had to then change what we were providing based on the responses of the community. And I, and I really do think that in this day and age, um, Community is, is, especially in a niche market like tabletop gaming, um, I think having a community uh, online and, and interacting with that community is absolutely critical to success. It's critical to people not wanting to rip you off. It's critical to people wanting to stay engaged in your brand and interested in your products. Um, and, and I just think it's absolutely critical. I think some companies look at interacting with their fans, for instance, on message boards as something extra, something that the employees do at home, or something that is, uh, is different from the work of going to meetings or sitting down and grinding through text, you know, editing. I, as publisher of Paizo, have always taken the, the, the uh, opinion that that is our jobs. Interacting with our customers is our jobs. Sometimes we, we do that by editing text. Sometimes we do that by coming up with neat ideas for products. But sometimes it's just being there to answer a question that somebody might have about our products because nobody knows our products as well as we do. And that kind of like, well, we're just gonna let some fan answer our questions for us or we're too good to be online or we're too busy and we're too professional. I think that is, a, is potentially a road to disaster. Well, certainly, uh, you know, community has become increasingly important um, as the variety of ways you can interact with people has also expanded. So, you know, Green Ronin, we've got three websites. You know, there's, there's the standard greenronin.com, true20.com, and meetingsomasterminds.com. Then we also have a Facebook page. We have a Twitter account now. So, you know, I will send out, you know, one or two messages a day about sort of, you know, what we're up to and, you know, things like that. And, you know, people like to engage with us in these different ways. And, and each one of them is a way to get information out there that maybe they would have missed. Absolutely. You know? We've, we've actually just, we've got a Twitter account as well, and we actually have all of our employees have a lot, have the same login to the right. Twitter account. That's what I'm about to and it's, up, yeah. yeah, it's like every, we, we ask that they do it twice a day, that they go in there and they just tell people what they're doing, you know, are they, how are they having fun? And it's actually spun off into several of our developers have started their own Twitter accounts. Yeah. I think our industry is interesting, and, and I don't know if unique is the right word, but I think one of the interesting qualities of our industry is that uh, many of the, the customers imagine themselves as designers or as publishers. I think that the very act of having a game where is, you are creative uh, in creating the stories and things, it makes you think about how would I publish this game or how would I, if I was a designer, how would I have designed this rule or something like that. And so I think there's a, a, a large number of people who are very interested in the process um, whereas you don't maybe care, or maybe you shouldn't care about how your hot dog is made. <laughs> you might be very interested in uh, you know, how the decision was made to do product A instead of product B, or how long you, it takes to send the product to the printer before it comes back. Just things like that. I would be willing to bet that, that the fans of RPGs know more about the sort of minutia about the behind the scenes business than in many other industries. Although sometimes shockingly ignorant 
you know, the other day, someone in the end world said, I think Paizo and Green Ranine are about the size that TSR was before yes. the acquisition. I thought that was hilarious. And I was like, yeah, right. where's my millions of dollars? Right. <laughs> Got a question over here? Yeah, oh, sorry, um, behind you. She had her hand up first, but, but then we'll get you. I wanted to touch on two things that you said and bring them together. Uh, you had said, you, you were saying that uh, you didn't think it made sense to uh, do uh, gaming books in a format for mobile devices because you say you wouldn't sit, sit there and read through uh, a book on mobile device. I agree with you that I wouldn't, but that's not why I would want it on a mobile device. It goes back to the other thing you said about searchability. Right. So if I'm at the point that, oh shoot, what is that rule? Or how does that you know, portion of rules work? Mm -hmm. I want to be able to search for that quickly. I actually did type <laughs> a fair amount from a gaming book into HTML so I could put it on my, my pocket PC, my mobile device, for just that reason. So yeah. I could have it searchable in something I could carry easily with me. Right, and, and, and I'm talking almost sort of specifically about the iPhone which although it's a beautiful piece of technology has a relatively thin screen yeah. doesn't interact it doesn't have things like charts the same kind of thing. surely uh, a tech, as technology gets better, it, uh, more people will want to use it in that way. And you're absolutely right. There are a lot of people who will want to use it that way. I sometimes get a little frustrated even by the interface just trying to like look something up on the internet on my iPhone. Whereas if I had something that was a little bit bigger and a little bit more optimized for that, I might feel differently. But it's only going to be a matter of time before the, the iPhone becomes I that thing. I, I would like some device. I, and they are getting, uh, I, I have seen a notebook. This week's ad, front page of their ad, is advertising the Sony PRS 500 reader. Go to Fred Meyer and look at one of those screens. You say you can't imagine reading it? My, my reader, which uses the same screen as Sony, but it's not a Sony, will ask for about 5,000 page turns. Yes, I will read a 500 page book on that. A rule book. A rule book. If, it, right. if that happens to be what I'm reading, that's what I'm Well, my friend, about. in about a year or two, I'm happy to sell it to you. Uh, <laughs> maybe sooner. <laughs> Your question? Um, I've, this may be opening up a big can of worms, but I haven't heard anyone really talk about it very much. Um, the big gorilla in the industry right now, TSO, Wizards of the Coast, yeah. um, with their D&D online initiative, yeah. where they have a subscription-based site, and they're offering all kinds of content where you have to sign up for it and pay a monthly fee access that content. I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that. We did it first. And if you think that that's... <laughs> <laughs> we, we actually did uh, uh, Battlecore Online, which is the way the, the Catalyst started. Our, our parent company, Media Ray Productions, started Battlecore in 2004. Um, and uh, we have a set, a set amount of content. You sign up. It's a subscription-based system um, for online fiction for the Battletech universe. Um, but it's fiction, it's community, it's scenarios, it's you know different things like that. Um, in a subscription model, um, and uh, we've been fairly successful with it. And the thing is, is that it doesn't preclude the PDF sales, it doesn't preclude the book sales, or anything like that. It's all about completing the community, and and sitting there and, and expanding on that. And now we've got another another avenue to people who are are dedicated to our, our alpha gamers, our core followers, and um, you know contributing specifically. For example, we have a, a backstock of about 80 or 80 some odd novels from the Battletech universe 
Um, and we're publishing what are called uh, uh, electronic advanced readers copies. Um, these are the, the uh, step before final editing, yeah. um, basically what Bean does. Um, and uh, we, you know, we've got so many of them, we can't just put them all up at once. So we need to have an order to do that. Well, our Battlecore members actually are voting every month. On we, we present them with five choices. They vote for which one they want to these come out the next month. backlist titles? Yeah, these yeah. are all backlist titles. So they vote for which one they want to come out the next month. And then we release that and put up on, you know, five more titles and just sort of rotate through that. So we're involving the community, in, you know, the, the membership community. The, these are our alpha gamers in the production of our product. So when that gets released... Is it released as a, as a PDF or a Mobi? Or, it's or it's at, currently, uh, we just started this last month, currently it's in PDF format, okay. although we are again exploring the other options. It is free to the members, and then it is uh, $5.95 to anybody who's not a member. So they can actually go out and they can purchase the back title, um, and that will go on to, that title will be put on to the various different formats for sale. So I think what Wizards is doing is, is interesting. They have an infrastructure that none of our companies do um, to right. do that sort of thing. But one, you know, one of the big features of it is their whole character builder thing, which lets you make a character and does print that out. Does you know, yeah. I haven't paid any attention. Yeah, that work. part is operative. Yeah. People like that. And you know you can print out little power cards you know, that have all the info for your level built into it and, and so on, um, which is cool. You know, we offer, we've made a, a, a partnership with um, Lone Wolf who's a software developer, they do Army Builder, mm -hmm. and they do this program called Hero Lab for RPGs. And so they have a Mutants and Masterminds iteration of Hero Lab um, that is a character creator, um, and there, uh, there are some additional add-on like data packs that you can get. Um, so you know all that functionality is there, but we did it in partnership with somebody um, and not as part of a, like a subscription and there's a Pathfinder edition of Hero Lab as yeah. well. I, I wish I had you know, Wizards resources. Um, Don't I, I think <laughs> I think they, they have a really interesting idea, but I feel like they, they blinked when it came to uh, actually implementing it. Um, they they really could have taken all of their their products and come up with a really slick way to when you buy the book, it's available. I mean, it already exists in the library, but now it's unlocked for me on my login. So any place I have internet connectivity, which is more and more places on more and more devices, yeah. I now have access to it. Um, I, I don't remember the last time I've been to a D&D campaign or even just a, you know, Hall Earth Expedition game where there wasn't wireless in the room, right? Mm -hmm. There weren't you know, people, people on it. So, um, yeah, that's one really interesting option. Or if you They said they were going to do that. They did say they were going to do it, but yeah. they, they blinked. They never actually kind of followed through with it. Uh, and I think that was a really interesting idea. Even if it's a subscription service and it gives you access to all of the content digitally, not in PDF form, you can't download it, but it's accessible um, you know, through their, their web interface. Neat idea. Wish I could do it, can't, can't do it. <laughs> That's expensive. I, I am not, uh, I don't play fourth edition and I'm not a member. I don't do D&D Insider. Um, I did formally uh, edit the magazines that were sort of sacrificed on the altar to create D&D Insider, so that may play into my reticence to jump on board. But um, <laughs> awards, by the way, the award-winning magazines, yeah. Uh, but uh, but I do understand the impulses that 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 Wizards wanted to shift to the to the digital format. I mean, that does make a certain amount of sense, especially in light of um, the magazine industry, which has uh, many problems, sort of cancerous problems uh, at, at its core. Um, on the other hand, I think that, that one of the biggest challenges for all of us as consumers, not just of 
you know Dungeons and Dragons material, but but of of everything from music to uh, to the, to you know uh, to books to everything is is that digital advances really ha provide an opportunity to change the definition of ownership. And so, for example, when you buy a book, the book is yours. When you buy a PDF, the PDF is yours. I mean, you need to back it up. You don't want it to, to, to be erased or anything like that. But when you are essentially renting content uh, on a subscription-based service, and, and I'm not, I don't know the, the particulars exactly of how the, the DVI works, but I'm familiar with other services that are similar in nature. Once you stop being, a, a, you know, if you stop subscribing to a print magazine, for example, all the copies of the magazines that you got during your subscription are yours. You can go back to them. You can read them on the, the toilet if you want to. You can read them 30 years from now. I'm not sure that that's the case with all of the, the today's subscription mm -hmm. services. And as a consumer, I've always been very sort of uneasy with, uh, with things like digital rights management of music and things like, you know, that limit you to five downloads or, or what have you just because all of a sudden I'm renting instead of owning. That's and that's Zoom very yeah. different. Yeah. The, only that that feels that. Yeah. the, the Zoom uh, music stores. Too much yeah. commerce that wants that. Uh, you know, that means I'm, you know, I have to pay a monthly fee for a service. Yeah. yeah, for my cable company or something. Well, it's okay to pay a monthly fee for cable service, but you know, when I got a VCR, I bought the VCR, right. and that was it. I'm not paying the cable company right. on a monthly basis for VCR. That's why for TiVo, you totally got to do the lifetime agreement yeah. because yeah. oh my god, it's such a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, got a question? <laughs> yeah, um, I, I've been listening to you guys. You're talking about how it's putting things on digital media is, is great for. Uh, cheap editors, um, and how you put your libraries up on PDF, ebook, Mobi, whatever. Um, my question is, you know, my first love, of course, is gaming. My second love is money, because money buys games. <laughs> so, which sells more? You know? um, for, for me, again, really small publisher, so I'm I, a small I, publisher too. Right, so I, I could be um, uh, an outlier as far as the, the data goes, but uh, I would say I sell books 10 to 1 to PDF. That's, that's almost exactly what it is. We, we sell 10% of the number of, of a print copy, uh, uh, sorry, of a PDF of a print copy. So we'll, we'll print 3,000 and sell 300 PDFs. Yep. Okay. Yeah, we sell far more print products than PDFs. So far more on the brick and mortar than. Uh, yeah, or or direct or conventions or you know what have you. Okay, and I have a second part to this question. Okay. How often do you do you find that your ebooks have been ripped off? Uh, every minute of every day. I was going to say that there's not one that that's not been burned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is something I'm interested in. Yeah. I am interested in, in switching to e-publishing. There is a BitTorrent out there that is every product that my company has ever released, including PDF only releases, web enhancements, whatever it is. Isn't that people, flattering? Chris? Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> um, that people can download, you know, in one go and have everything we ever done, and you know, we we get nothing for that. Um, and you know, you, it's kind of depressing, but you you know, you have to sort of hope two things, you know, one, that a lot of pirates are really collectors and they're not gonna, they, they were never your customer in the first place. They wanna have a huge collection so they can say, I have a huge collection. But you know, they're not even gonna look at that stuff, it's gonna sit in their hard drive and they weren't gonna buy it 
in that case. And the other thing you could hope for is that by giving, you know, by them getting, we're not giving it, by them getting that access, um, that it might actually convince them to go buy some of the print versions because they have seen exactly what's in the book, and you know, perhaps that that actually uh, will, will convince them to go buy. There's, there's no way of really knowing the answer to this question, but but Wizards had the, the gaff where their PDFs of the fourth edition player's handbook got out. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it got From squashed. Their yeah, it got squashed pretty quickly. But um, I would really be interested to know how many books got sold based on people being able to see that content before the book was released. Yeah. I think also you just have to keep in mind that, or at least you have to keep telling yourself that people are sort of fundamentally honest. They, that, that there are a lot of dishonest people out there, but the majority of people are more than happy to pay a reasonable price for a reasonable service. And so, you know, I think iTunes for music has, had decided that that's basically a dollar per song. Mm -hmm. And um, there are many, many people who, when Napster was the only option for digital downloads of music, would have down, downloaded hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of songs. I mean, um, uh, a company where I once worked um, who may have been mentioned a few times in this seminar, <laughs> even had s dedicated servers to stolen music uh, from Napster when Napster was the big thing. And ultimately that had to be shut down because obviously that's uh, a liability. But I mean, nowadays you it's almost easier just to go into iTunes and spend a dollar and get the song that you want. And it, and it's not unfair. And I think most people are willing to do that. And just like I think most people are willing to pay a fair price for an RPG. That's actually kind of interesting because it, it I, I, I personally am kind of a, an, an example of how that method, that iTunes method, can actually be beneficial. I didn't buy music before. I bought a, I bought a CD every once and again. Uh, didn't buy DVDs. Didn't. I, I just not a big consumer of music and, and, and videos. I didn't share them or anything like that. I just didn't have an interest. But when iTunes came out, and all of a sudden I can do that ninety nine cents, my purchasing of movies and music increased. You know, a million times over. Well, not a million times. I wish wow. I had a million. But <laughs> Giant robots is good business. Yeah. Uh, trust me. <laughs> but but my my purchasing level increased greatly. I now you know don't think twice about you know I've got my subscription to Burn Notice because I never get a chance to watch it at uh, at the time it is, right. and I get it the next day on on iTunes and and but I'm paying two bucks a, a, a show for it. Where I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have even watched it before. So one, one quick comment. We get to your question here. Is uh, there's a great book called Freakonomics if, mm -hmm. that people are familiar with it, and there's uh, a bit in there. It's like uh, 60 pages in or so about a guy who sold bagels based on the honor system, and he kept diligent track of uh, you know which which um, companies you know was on parity for how many bagels he gave him, how much money he got, and it was you know, regularly 85, 90 percent. I mean, he just just left things there with with money, right and would just you know honestly put put it in. So um, people behave strangely, sometimes irrationally, but you can uh, you can count on people for the most part doing the right thing most of the time. And I think you have to keep that in mind when it comes to piracy and PDF. Sean, uh, my last panel we were talking about copyrights and uh, online content. And one of the things that we brought up is that as an electronics publisher, you need to prove to your customers that there is value in not stealing from what you have. Whether that's, hey, I'm going to go to Gen Con because I get to actually meet Chris and get him to sign a book for me, or I really like 
this RPG, so I'm going to go and buy some miniatures associated with it, or you know, a T-shirt or whatever. There's something you can't download, and like a lot of bands, they just put up their music and they make money on doing their tours and doing shows and buying merchandise. With web comics, works the same way. I think our industry is just another example of that. Well, I think. Oh, as you say, one of the guys in my panel's name is uh, Vladimir, and he mentioned that Moby put their la or not Moby. You're talking about Moby. Uh, Radiohead put out yeah. their last album for free, and they're like, you know, please buy stuff from us and or donate money, and but other than that, the album's free, and they made two million dollars off this album. Well, we now the, their publisher, their, the music company, declared the album a failure because. They made no money on it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, we did something very interesting um, uh, at Paizo, which uh, basically, um, you know, there, there are many times when I, as a publisher, sort of sit around and go, God, I, it kind of sucks that nobody had the guts to do X. And, and as a publisher, I actually have the ability to be one of the, to have the guts and do something. And one of the things that we did that I thought was pretty gutsy and actually seems to have been working really well is we gave away our biggest release last year, the Pathfinder uh, role-playing game beta play test edition. We wanted to get as many eyes on that thing as possible. It's a, it's a, it's a step beyond 3.5. It takes the 3.5 games under the game under the open game license, uh, adds some new op options, fixes some, some things that are generally considered to be broken. And, um, and we put that out for free, a 420-page rule book that gave you the entire system, we gave it away. We also printed uh, several thousand copies on the sort of aggressive side of, of, of our print runs, uh, a paperback printed version of it, because we knew a lot of our players would want to, to print it out, and if they went to Kinko's, I think we priced it, it'd be about $80 to print it out. So we said we can, you know, with using economies of scale, we can, we can get this thing printed a little bit more cheaply. And we put it out for the 20, 25 bucks, 29 bucks, something like that. Uh, sold out immediately at Gen Con, nine hours uh, sellout uh, of the copies we brought to Gen Con. The entire print run sold out in the first month. Um, I think the fact that we gave that away for free increased the audience for that book. And we will see when we release the final post-playtest edition of that book at Gen Con in August. Come by on Friday or Saturday of Gen Con to the Paizo booth. Get a look at the expression on my face. If I'm smiling, <laughs> it means it works. If I am crying and am no longer wearing a Paizo shirt, it means it failed. And so Eric Mona gets the last word. Uh, the panel itself did continue for a little while after that, but uh, the recording stopped at that point because uh, it had filled up. So I uh, hope you have enjoyed today's podcast and uh, getting some insights into the issues that uh, publishers are dealing with regarding uh, digital publishing and piracy and so on. And uh, we'll see you again next time. Thanks for listening. This podcast is copyright 2009, Green Ernie Publishing, music by Bombscare, courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.